Hello, everybody, and welcome to You Totally Made That Up. And this is actually going to be a little bit different because this is our very first uh, spooky short, short and spooky. You'll know by whatever the title is because we've still not quite hammered that out. And I guess we'll have to make that decision soon because um, we're recording this um, a little while, about a week before July 4th. Isn't that about a week away, Tiff? Uh, yeah, a little bit more than a week. It's getting a bit more than it's a coming week. up fast. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, um, so oh, and I'm Nash, and that's Tiff. Hi. And here's our brief introduction. Um, if you're new to the podcast, well, clearly, please go back and listen to some more of the goodies. But um, we are a podcast where we tell stories to each other that have supernatural and paranormal elements to them, but they have to be true. That's the catch. Um, and it could be that they're only true to the people who live them, but true in that respect. So, yeah, we dabble into folklore and whatnot, but it's not, we're not just telling you stories that start off with, well, people say dot, dot, dot. No, we want names. We want dates. We want facts, as, mu- as many facts as we can possibly manage. So um, that's our jam. But today is different because we thought our next, well, our next episode, we, are starting to publish on Thursdays and the next time that happens is July 4th and we thought well instead of publishing a regular long one we'll do what we've been talking about doing which is a little short episode that is made up of stuff that you guys have sent us whether it's a hometown story or legend or cryptid or whether it's a story from your personal experience or something in your family yes yeah We've been asking people to send in, you know, their stories, submit them to us, share them with us, however you feel comfortable. And we've gotten some pretty good ones so far. So it's exciting. It's a lot of fun to come across stuff that we probably wouldn't have come across otherwise. You know, a lot of these are very localized, uh, very personal um, kind of legends and stories. So yeah, we, we love hearing this and it's been fun to look into it. Oh yeah, and we've got we've got some some definite winners today. Um, you want to go first? Well, we've got one of each. We've got one where somebody suggested we look at a certain topic, and then we've got another one that's a personal story. You want to do the personal story first? Sure. Yeah. All right, hit us. All right, I'm just gonna jump right into it. So this was submitted um, onto the blog, and it's it's written. Um, you know, first person. So I, I'm going to read the the story as it was submitted verbatim. And then I'll kind of go into some stuff that I looked into regarding what was said. And we'll see how it connects and uh, kind of what it adds up to. All right, so we begin. When I was 17, I was living in rural Ireland with my grandparents in a house along a country lane in the farmland below the V Mountain Pass. It's a beautiful place to visit, but not the best place to live if you are a rebellious teenager with a taste for adventure. It was a nearly two hour walk to the nearest small town and I didn't have a car. I'm interjecting here, that sucks. That sounds like, (laughs) that just sounds horrible. That's probably more horrible than what we're about to hear, but go ahead. (laughs) You were definitely being punished, my dear. (laughs) All right, continuing. I had a friend who lived in a farmhouse about 20 minutes away 
and we would regularly walk to a pub in town that had a pool table, often had live music, and most importantly, never asked for ID. The walk was not a fun one. I swear the farmers and others used to make a game of driving past us as fast and as close as possible. On the parts of the road that were lined with dry stone walls or hedges of brambles and blackthorn so dense that they may as well have been a wall there. Uh, there was nowhere for us to jump out of the way, so we just had to stand there pressed up against the wall or thorns and grit our teeth as the cars flew past us with barely an inch to spare. Yikes. <laughs> she she is a good, we know who wrote this, we know it's a she, and she's a good storyteller. I'm yes, there, she I'm is. with her. Yeah. <laughs> So, walking home one night, probably more than a little drunk, we started laughing at how our skin seemed to glow in the moonlight, as Irish skin is ridiculously pale. Ah. Ah. <laughs> we came up with our own idiotic game to get back at the farmers that night. She rolled up her sleeves and I rolled up my jeans to mid-thigh, and we walked on opposite sides of the road. We both wore mainly black, so in the pitch black darkness of the country lanes, all that could be seen were a pair of disembodied arms and legs walking on opposite sides of the road. <laughs> we did that every time the moon was shining for about six months. <laughs> yes, we were idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so all this leads up to the reason that I stopped. One night, we had been hanging out at my house, listening to music and putting the world to rights. Um, and she clarifies that this instance, they had not been drinking because, you know, they were just hanging out, being teenagers at the house. So like a good friend, uh, I walked my friend home that night and we played our silly game on the way. I left my friend at her place and headed home alone, a walk I had done a hundred times before. About halfway back, when I could no longer see so much as a light from a house, I saw a strange patch of red mist in the road ahead of me. It was about six or seven foot high and about three feet wide. It had no recognizable shape. It was just a small patch of mist. The smallest patch of mist I had ever seen. And mist is not red. It was a pitch black country lane. Fields to either side were empty. There was no light that could have been shining on it. It was weird and it felt wrong. I don't know how else to explain it. I decided to give it a wide berth, crossing to the other side of the road to walk around it, and it moved. The second I had reached the opposite side of the road, it was in front of me. I tried to convince myself it was just the wind, despite there being only the barest hint of a breeze, a breeze that was not even blowing in that direction. I crossed back to the other side of the road. It moved directly in front of me again, but this time it moved closer too. It was definitely not the fucking breeze. <laughs> I crossed. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I crossed back and forth for a while without moving any further forward. Every time it mirrored my movements, each time getting closer, until this thin red mist was immediately in front of me, almost touching my face. At this point, I felt I had no choice but to go through it. I was terrified, and the only thought in my head was, I must get home. I closed my eyes and leapt forward. I was immediately knocked backwards. I only just managed to stay on my feet. It was mist. I could see through it. How the hell was this happening? I tried again. I was pushed back about three feet this time. 
I decided to turn around and run back to my friend's house. Honestly, me, as Tiff, I probably would have done that sooner. <laughs> I, I probably, well, I thought she was going to say, and I knew I had no choice but to scream. <laughs> That's what I thought <laughs> the sentence was going to be. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I decided to turn around and run back to my friend's house, but as soon as I had turned, it was in front of me again. Okay, then, home it is. I made it a few feet back before the bloody thing was back again. I kept trying to go around it and to push through it. Staying put was not an option, but no matter what I did, it kept blocking my way and it pushed me back every time I tried to go through it. But I started to make a little progress in a two steps forward, shoved one step back kind of way. It took nearly three hours of trying to fight my way past the mist until I could see the lights of home and it seemed to disappear then. I ran the rest of the way. I sat in the front room alone for hours, shaking, staring out the window towards the V, looking for whatever the hell that thing was. I never saw it again, and I never played that stupid game again either. I lived in the house for about a year and visited regularly until my grandfather passed a few years ago. And in all that time, I've heard stories of that place. Stories of the Black Lake, of which I can't remember the name of, and of course the Fae and the old legends of Ireland, but never anything about a red mist. I never told anyone about it, with the exception of my mother, and that was years later. It didn't feel safe to do so, besides they probably would have thought that I was nuts. So there you go, story time over. And uh, she decided that since she discovered it, she gets to name it. So uh, that is the story of the red mist called Flumpkin. (laughs) 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 Which I think is pretty good, you know, (laughs) that takes some of the scariness out of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yeah, (laughs) let's all think about that for a second. Oh, I, I like to think that was another, like, uh, see my mind, because I'm, I'm the science nerd skeptic, in my mind, I like to think that that's something like a, a timeline, uh, you know, or a multiverse situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at first kind of, and this is so gross of me to think this, <laughs> but part of me thought like, Maybe a truck had come through and hit a deer. It was like blood splatter, like got just kind of like in, in some low lying mist or something. I thought, I thought it was a demon fart because did she smell sulfur? Did she? Man, I I I hope that uh, she gives us some feedback and can clear some of that up. That'd be pretty neat. So. This kind of sent me on uh, on a quest, on a very, you know, non-academic kind of search for red mist and trying to find out what that could have been. And there's, she's right, there's really not a whole lot out there. But what I did find were a few um, kind of similar stories, actually, about like an aggressive red mist, something that was tangible, kind of smothering um something that gave people very uneasy feeling 
Um, now, nobody said that it chased them like it did for her, but just that they saw it and it was it was very much like there. It wasn't kind of this blowy, wispy kind of thing. Um, so some of the sources called it an ectomist, which is basically it's it's a ghost, but it's not quite strong enough to manifest into any real form. So it's kind of stuck in, in between, just kind of being floaty goo, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, and, and one source said that it actually could appear in a few different colors, including um, like white, green, blue, and red. Huh. Yeah. I got nothing. So now, All right. in her details, like she didn't specify exactly where this was, but, you know, she did give a few clues. And one of the things that I did search was Black Lake in Ireland. And there, there is one place um, that's in rural Ireland. Uh, it's known as Black Lake. And there was quite a tragedy that occurred in the roads nearby. Um, this goes back to March of 1849 during the potato famine. And... I mean, this is like a well-known thing. There are um, markers and memorials on the road for it. So I'm sure a few people might be familiar with this story, but this was new to me. So, um, so you know, 1849, potato famine, people are starving. Uh, they're starting to get downright skeletal and they're weak from starvation. Now the government has decided to try to work to hand out some rations to these people. And the assessors that they sent to this town called, and maybe I'm mispronouncing this, but it looks pretty sim simple to me. It's Lewisburg, but you never know. I'm, um, I'm sure we're wrong. I'm sure that we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, this is me with my, you know, Wisconsin, Chicago, Midwestern. It's Lewisburg. Okay. Um, <laughs> so... They, they were sent out to Lewisburg, but they skipped their session there where they were supposed to assess people to see if they were basically poor enough to, to deserve these rations. They're like, all right, you know what? We're going to go down to this place. It's called Delphi Lodge. It's this hunting lodge. Um, you guys got to be there by 7 o'clock tomorrow morning if you want us to to go over this with you to see if you to see if you're worthy and poor enough. Now, Delphi Lodge was about 12 miles away from the town of Lewisburg. So these people that they were, you know, supposed to get checked out then, they have to make this trek overnight. And it's March. Is it a beautiful spring day? Of course it's fucking not. It's raining, it's sleeting, there's nasty wind, and of course these people are all, you know, on the verge of starvation heading down there. Eventually they did make it. Um, and these inspectors are out to lunch. They're like, you know what? We can't be bothered. We're on lunch. We don't want to see you and deal with you right now. And they made the people wait even longer. And they didn't give them any food while they're waiting either. So these stingy assholes um, ended up actually sending most of these people back home with nothing. By the time that they got to them, they were either you know out of rations or they just didn't deem them um, to, to make the, the cut. So of the estimated like 600 or so people that made the trek, um, and based on some kind of sketchy records, <laughs> no, here's a leap. 
anywhere between 20 and 400 <laughs> may oh, have died geez. on the way home. Yeah, the numbers varied greatly in a couple of sources. could be a little more vague. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. But basically, it was just the road was littered with skeletons of men and women and children. Uh, you know, that people that had just starved to death and were too weak to, to make it back. And of course, the people they were with are too weak to carry them back and deal with it. So if this is the same area, the same rural part of Ireland and same Black Lake, maybe it's the ghosts of these pissed off, starving potato famine people. I don't know. Could be. But that's the story of the Red Mist, submitted by one of our lovely listeners. Well, that's, that's Ireland's got, well, Ireland's on our list of um, locations to, well, we did, Ireland, we did one thing from Ireland already, right? Right. Yeah. Fairies. We talked about fairies. One of our fairy uh, stories was from Ireland, but yeah, Ireland's got a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, the whole place is just haunted. It's just all ghosts. <laughs> it's all ghosts and people living in their territory. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So there you go. There's there's a story out of Ireland. Thank and I'd you. And I'd love to hear more. And I'm sure she has more. So. <laughs> yes. We want to hear from all of you and, and her again. Because I know she's come with you. She's got more. She's holding more. Um. <laughs> And another, well, and here's the other one. We're going back to the U.S. for this one. And I think this is uh, 1940s-ish, World War time-ish, pre-World War. I'm not sure. I couldn't get a good beat on it. Um, well, here's, this is apparently a local legend in a couple of areas in Michigan, Connecticut, and Ohio here in the U.S. But our submitter is specifically talking about the one in Ohio because it's a nearby thing for them. And she said, this is a local legend around here. I live about 10 minutes west of Kirtland and have actually considered moving there. And I'd love to hear your take on it. And what she wants to hear our take on is melon heads. <laughs> Which <laughs> the melon heads is like, I'm sure it's a band. Um, it sounds like or a very eclectic motorcycle gang or <laughs> some sort of self-deprecating academic group or I'm not I'm not sure but uh okay here's what wikipedia said and I'm just reading directly because this is a shorty episode so you know uh quote the melonhead stories of ohio are primarily associated with the cleveland suburb of kirtland According to local lore, the Melonheads were originally orphans under the watch of a mysterious figure known as Dr. Crow, uh, sometimes spelled various ways, but for our purposes, Crow like the animal. And Crow is said to have performed unusual experiments on the children who developed large, hairless heads and malformed bodies. Some accounts claim that the children were already suffering from hydrocephalus and that Crow injected even more fluid into their brains. Eventually, the legend continues, the children killed Crow, burned the orphanage, and retreated to the surrounding forests and supposedly feed on babies. Legend holds that the Melonheads may be sighted along Wisner Road in Kirtland and Chardon Township. <laughs> that's, oh. that's, a, that's a chunk of info. Um, so <laughs> I took a look at, the, at a source they cited, a book called The Hideous Melonheads. And oh. I know, I guess, I guess I'll have to make a page for, um, 
spooky short stories in case this happens again, you know, since we dug into stuff a little more. But um, here's some of what that book said. It said, quote, the surviving melonheads suffered severe physical and mental retardation from the experiments. They continued to mutate until they became little more than wild animals. And like all wild animals, they had no ability to reason and acted purely on instinct. Their main instinct to survive led them to attack their tormentor. One day they snapped and overran Dr. Crow in his lab, pummeled him, tore his body apart, and ate him. In the process of the attack, the creatures destroyed the electrical devices and knocked over vats of chemicals, causing a fire that engulfed the laboratory. Uh, the Millenheads escaped by fleeing into the surrounding forest, where they now roam in packs. They rule these woods. Dozens of reports come in each year about the creatures staring out from the woods on the edges of local roads in the dead of night. Many hikers and outdoorsmen routinely find slaughtered animals in the trees, which they blame on the swell-headed hordes. <laughs> this guy's dramatic. Many claim to have been attacked by Millenheads, especially along the banks of the Chagrin River. Um, and then the author featured a handful of testimonial type stories from residents. And one person said that they quote, tracked down an expert on local folklore who was able to give me the official version. Uh, the Ooh. legend, according to her, was that Dr. Crow and his wife had lived together in a cottage where they cared for children afflicted with hydrocephalus. The children adored Mrs. Crow, but weren't so keen on her husband. One night, the couple got into an argument and Mrs. Crow fell against the cabinet, suffering a fatal blow to the head. Thinking Dr. Crow had murdered his wife, the children attacked and killed him. Then they proceeded to tear the place apart and set fire to the cottage in the process. Some of them survived to dwell in the woods, uh, et cetera, et cetera, living off animals. Um, well, and I'll tell you, we'll, we'll have to look and see if there's more stuff about old Dr. Melonhead to see, you know, first of all, if he actually existed, because... Well, because most of the time, kids with, you know, heavy-duty hydrocephalus, they won't survive unless the fluid's drained. And, you know, he, this was in the 1940s, and humans have known about draining skulls. You guys, I'm sure, have probably heard of trepanning since, I mean, they've been doing that since caveman days. But anyhow, that, I mean, they won't live. That's my point. You can't live with fluid excess fluid you know like in the ventricles and filling up your skull it just it won't work it crushes your brain so um it's got to be drained so they're not going to live and go be <laughs> i mean Pete, i'm sure there could be people with misshapen skulls and perhaps skulls that are disproportionate in size to their body but not it can't be hydrocephalus that's the thing um yeah. but yeah that might make for a good show if we can find creepy doctors if i can find him yeah but if we, i had on the list actually like creepy doctors anything to do with um if there's actual legit facts about doctors who did crazy occult stuff then heck yeah we can do a show like that yeah. we'll have to keep that in mind that could be a really good one but yeah no i you're telling that story and no matter what the version is, I'm kind of like, I just don't like this dude. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I don't like him either way. There's there's either, I mean, they're living out in in the East Bumfuck, you know, collecting children that have, that have disabilities. Um, yeah. Or he's, he's siphoning orphans to do medical experiments on. <laughs> so it's not... One thing I read too, and I didn't put it in my notes, but I remember reading it. 
somebody commented, no, Dr. Crow was actually a dentist. And I was like, what? <laughs> In the, what? Yeah, the way legends mutate will never cease to, <laughs> to just tickle me. I don't know. I mean, I would imagine that, yeah, if I was kind of walking around and saw, uh, what the fuck is that? Sloth <laughs> from the Goonies? <laughs> <laughs> in the pictures, in the pictures, it looked, they draw, do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, um, like, alien, well, not even alien-esque. It was just like that little alien that was on the Flintstones, minus the helmet. Like, it, oh. it, was, it was just a very bizarrely, like, normal face, normal forehead, but then forehead extends, and then, like, just behind the ears, the skull extends and is incredibly bulbous. Yeah. That's, yeah. So if I, don't misunderstand me, if I saw it coming at me, I'd turn tail and run. But it's just highly improbable. <laughs> and then I mean, and then the inference, you know, that they climb trees because if, if they said they, they saw wild animals like carcasses, like up in trees. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's terrifying to think about, but I also kind of love the idea of these like feral giant-headed kids just kind of being like, "All right, this is this is it now. This is who we are and where we live, and we're just going to eat things. <laughs> we're just going to eat animals." And it said like it was like and they eat babies. What babies? From where? Yeah. How are they? Yeah. Are they like creeping in homes and just taking baby? I mean, no. You'd notice that. Also, I submit they're they're going to be weebles. They're going to weeble wobble. There's no way they're going to have good balance. So stealthy, they're not. You'd know they were coming because you'd hear bonk, yeah. bonk, bonk down your hallway, and yeah, yeah. Maybe the submitter could clarify. Has there been also in it like in addition to this like legends of babies disappearing? Is this is this a thing? Is there stuff to go along with that? There, you, there you go. There you go. I'm yeah, not looking. We need it up. more. <laughs> we need more. We need more. Melonheads <laughs> doesn't, you know, strike fear into my heart on its on its surface. <laughs> I'm like, is that a candy? <gasps> it is a candy. Aren't melonheads a candy? Or am I thinking of? Um, Lemon heads. Oh, I'm thinking of lemon. But heads. that's also kind of what God I. God damn it! But yeah, I'm totally thinking that. I'm thinking that weird <laughs> round shape because there's a face on that, isn't there? I, think I don't the, know. Isn't the logo like a face that's just like a lemon, like a normal face? I don't. Know. I know now. I'm hungry, and I know that I think melon candy would be absolutely delicious. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. There's. Yeah, I don't know. The the melon heads, that's... It's weird. It's definitely weird. And it's weird that that's, like, a legend that's still going on. And and in multiple states. I scanned over the things for... um. What did I say? Where did I say they were at? Also in... Um, Michigan? Yeah, Michigan and Connecticut. And, and Dr. Crow was mentioned a couple times. And... There was other stuff like about affiliation with a mental hospital or an orphanage. I don't know. The, the other states have various details, but Dr. Crow was mentioned a couple times. I, I, if I can find proof that he exists, we'll we'll dig into it more. But that's going to be a toughie. Yeah. All right. Well, so you focused on the Ohio ones. So maybe if anyone from 
Michigan or uh, Connecticut, you got something to add to this. Maybe we've got something a little bit more local for you guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Feed our curiosity. Because <laughs> I will. need to know more about these. And we've got we've got one more in the hopper and please keep sending in more just if you want us to do brief overviews of something um if it's something that is related to a true story we might shelve it and use it in a big episode but we love all these cute and creepy things too um so send those definitely we've got another friend that one time on my blog i just randomly said tell me the creepiest you know craziest in the vein of you know scary stories i don't mean scary like as in i was almost kidnapped i meant the way i phrased it they knew what i meant i meant like ghost type crazy encounters and uh one of our mutual friends wrote in one that absolutely scared the bejesus out of me and i believe her 100 percent. yes skeptical me believed 100 percent of what she said so i'm gonna have to ask her if uh she'll let us She'll let us read it because I really loved it. I told her, I convinced her to turn into a short story, as a matter of fact. I loved it so much. But um, you guys keep sending those in. And whatever platform you're listening on, you'll notice in our profile that um, it'll lead you to the site. It'll lead you to the blog. And you can submit. And, yeah, just keep, keep rating and leaving reviews and all that good stuff. And help us climb the charts. We've got a healthy audience and we just want to grow more and we would love it if you would help us do that that would be great mm-hmm. yeah we're having a lot of fun and uh it's been great to to hear from people and to know that they're having fun along with us so thank you guys and um yeah we hope that you enjoyed this little mini spooky episode and then you'll be ready and not too partied out and you'll be ready to enjoy uh part two about corpses yeah i'll um we wanted to keep on our ideally we'll do these short ones in between because it's a bi-weekly show but ideally once we start getting more submissions we'll um do these little ones in the week in between but we thought since you'll be hearing this on or around july 4th we do a short one this time because you're going to be crunched for time probably over the holiday weekend but then i'll post i'll post part two of the corpses episode i'll do it next week so we'll kind of be on a slightly new rhythm but so you'll have two back to back sort of yay Mm -hmm. yay Yay. more to love (laughs) all right you guys thanks for listening and um if you're in the u.s hope you had a happy july 4th and that you got barbecue and all that good stuff and fireworks and that your pets didn't freak out too much yeah stay safe don't burn anything down with fireworks stay safe and stay spooky bye bye thanks so much for listening as a reminder you can check out our sources for each of the episodes at show notes along with any supplemental things we think you might enjoy Visit us on our blog at youtotallymadethatup.tumblr.com. You can also find us on Twitter at YTMTUPodcast and on Instagram at youtotallymadethatup. Feel free to contact us on those platforms, and you can also email us. That address is youtotallymadethatup at gmail.com.